0: Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week we'll be featuring sermons from our recent International Bible Conference in Chandler, Arizona, hosted by The Door Church and pastored by Joe Campbell. We're making these powerful messages available to both our free and premium subscribers. We'll return to our regular schedule next week. Thanks for listening and for your support of World Evangelism. We hope you enjoy these messages. Praise God. How many have the victory this morning? Glory oh. to God. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Campbell for the opportunity to be able to minister this morning. And uh, I just want to also thank the Chandler staff amen, for putting on such a great conference. Can we give them a round of applause? If you have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In November 2010, Nike came out with a commercial featuring LeBron James as he made the transition from the Cleveland Cavaliers to now the Miami Heat at that point. The video was called, What Should I Do? So when you do some studying, it was said that Nike, who was paying him $13 million a year was trying to restore his image since he was leaving Cleveland after seven years to join a couple of friends who were all-stars in what many would say was chasing an NBA title. This was not very well received by the public. In my opinion, after watching the video from 2010, the video depicted a victim-style approach as he justified his decision and even cast shame on some of the NBA greats like Charles Barkley and a subtle message towards Michael Jordan. This morning, I would like to share with you a video that has quite a different spirit. And thank God for YouTube, hallelujah, somebody already spliced the two videos together for me. Michael Jordan version of the video was made in 2008. And I believe it will highlight for us tonight or this morning the theme and the spirit of my message and the contrast of two generations. I would like at this time for the media team, if they could, go ahead and play the video. What should I do? Should I admit that I've made mistakes? Should I remind you that I've done this before? Want to see my shiny new shoes? Should I just sell shoes? Shiny new shoes? Maybe I should just disappear. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I led you to believe it was easy when it wasn't. Maybe I made you think my highlights started at the free throw line and not in the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was a game winner, that my game was built on flash and not fire. Maybe it's my fault that you didn't see that failure gave me strength, that my pain was my motivation. Maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for every single day of my life. Maybe I destroyed the game. Or maybe just making excuses. I want to minister a sermon I've entitled The Hidden Price Tag. Out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to 18, Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Corinth. Bible says, I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with one if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. The night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys of often, um, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this conference, all that you're doing. I pray, O oh Lord God, that we would have that radical edge, that, Lord, you would help us, O oh Lord God, to win our generation and serve our generation, even as David did. Lord, bless your word. Have grace upon your servant. Minister as you see fit, Lord God. Let no one leave this place the same way that we came in, but changed by the power of God. In Jesus' name, God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's look at reluctant boasting, first of all. In chapter 11 of our text, Paul is addressing a situation in which those who are following him have given heed to false apostles. These false apostles, amen, with their eloquent words and arrogant speech, they have persuaded many of the believers in Corinth to give ear to them rather than to the father of their faith, who was Paul. This is the same church that Paul said, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. These are people in Corinth that are easily persuaded, lovers of wisdom of men. It was part of that culture in that time to seek knowledge because they thought knowledge would give them power you go back to some of these places uh, there in Turkey um, where the seven churches are, you will see they have these massive libraries because people used to actually read books back then. Amen. Uh, They used to love to fill their minds, amen, with knowledge. um, And, uh, you know, this would give them a sense of So this is what's happening because that was the culture. Now, when you have these false apostles that are there and they're, you know, singing their own praises and toting their own, you know, uh, shouting their own achievements. um, Now you have them now giving heed to these false apostles. So Paul, in this portion, really sees the real issue. He recognizes where he went wrong. It was in his approach to preaching the gospel where he feels he perhaps failed those people in the church of Corinth because when he presented the gospel, he presented the gospel quite differently with humility and he was very reluctant to boast. They had now taken him for granted. They looked down upon him with less reverence, less respect compared to to these other false apostles. You can hear his words in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 7. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? He points out the fact that they had followed after those who have shouted the loudest, sang their praises, gained the attention of men, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18, he describes it as seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. Now, no doubt when these false apostles were patting themselves on the back, no doubt they were probably exaggerating a little bit because that's what people do, right? Uh, You know, they add a few little extra details, give you their highlights, some But the truth is, is that, uh, you know, there's things that they also leave out and they're just trying to gain, right, the attention of others. And, um, you know, they leave out things, um, they add things to fit their narrative. But Paul was quite the opposite. First Corinthians chapter two, verse four and five, he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, But in demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul is saying, listen, the whole time that I've been preaching to you, my aim has always been to glorify Jesus. I've humbled myself. And even as I'm preaching, though I may be preaching um, the word in truth, um, amen, though I may be preaching, um, you know, a very hard thing you know, sermon, so to speak. Think about the the first letter written to the church in Corinth. It's pretty harsh, um, amen. But nevertheless, um, he's pointing out the fact that whatever I preached, um, I removed myself. I was only the vessel um, that God was using. But at the end of the day, it was always about glorifying Jesus. You never wanted people to think of him higher than what they ought to. But sadly, like human beings do, those are the kind of people sometimes we take for granted. There's a quote, and we've heard it said, someone's kindness can be taken for granted as a weakness. In our text, this has led them to being deceived, misled, and vulnerable to the danger in their salvation. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty he Begins to speak about this. uh, If you continue in this path or follow this road or continue in this spirit, this is what it's going to lead to you. Um, He says, for you put up with it. If one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you to the face. In other words, uh, if they lived in 2023, they would have followed after celebrity preachers. If they lived in the day and the hour that we live in, they would have followed after these YouTube preachers. You have no idea who they are. You don't know their family. You don't know their marriage. You don't know their ministry. But man, I watched them every service. I go home, you know, maybe after an okay sermon, and I go put on my YouTube favorite celebrity. Pre- they would have followed after them. But little... Do you know that just like what Paul is saying, if you're, t- if you're chasing these types of preachers, you have no clue where you end up. Because you have no clue who they are. My fear this morning is quite the same as Paul. I fear that we can easily become like the people of Corinth who have taken for granted those who have gone before us and paid a price for what we have today. See, just like Jordan was saying, I wonder if sometimes if our fellowship leaders have made it look easy, too easy, that we now take it for granted the following generations. Because they don't wear their emotions on their sleeves because they don't have these woe is me or praise me sermons that it's very easy for us to kind of step in to the blessing that we have and now we take their sacrifices for granted. You know, pioneers always have it harder than those who come behind them. Think about the beginnings of our nation. When there was nothing in America, the first colony there in Jamestown and then all up and down the East Coast, the first cities that were built when there was nothing here. But not only that, after establishing cities, they had to overcome foreign enemies. Then they had to have the faith to go West. They created a whole document that we still kind of sort of follow, amen, called the Constitution. <laughs> but these, yes, and these men were impressive. They were brilliant This is why we shouldn't be taking down their statues. Though they were imperfect, these were brilliant men that have given us such a great nation. The best nation in the world is right here in America. But think about the first generation Christians. How many first generation Christians do we have here? Listen, I want you to think the pioneer always has it harder. I am a second-generation Christian. My mother was the first of seven siblings. She gave her life to Christ, um, and uh, I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. But, you know, she got a lot of flack for that, and, um, you know, a lot of mockery and people saying things, and why do you go to that church, and why do you give to that church, and so on and so forth. And I'll tell you, um, you know, first-generation Christians always bear the brunt A heavier weight, amen, more, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, more labor, amen. They have to pave the path that was not carved. um, And now the following generations are really blessed. You need to thank God if you're raised uh, as a second, third, or fourth generation Christian. uh, You've been given a head start. You've been blessed. Uh, You don't have to have the same struggles your parents did. And many of you, you younger people, will never know the life that your parents once lived. Looking at our fellowship, we're a blessed fellowship. We have heard it said that our fellowship is a work of God. It did not just come together one day. But over the past 50 plus years, God orchestrated the steps of Pastor Mitchell, now Pastor Greg. We've heard it said about the Sunday school series on Memorial Stones. We're watching it currently. What a tremendous series giving us the heritage of where we come from. Simple things from traveling to California to attend a a music scene, to gathering each morning as staff initially to pray, to Pastor Olson's idea to start a morning, a Saturday morning outreach before a a revival they were having. Listen, it was orchestrated by God, guided by the Holy Spirit, um, weathered, amen, through trial and error, um, and the list continues on. We're blessed to have the godly leadership we have in our fellowship. We have leaders that have made personal sacrifices along the years. Pastor Warner, who lost his ability to walk. Pastor Foley, willing to take a job at McDonald's when, according to Pastor uh, Tom Payne, said, you know, Pastor Foley could probably preach or not preach, teach, be a teacher in any college and teach English. He is so eloquent with his words and But yet he's willing to take a job at McDonald's so that he could stay there in Prescott so that he could be a disciple and be a pastor. To Pastor Ruby taking a job working for the colonel. No, he was not in the military. I'm talking about KFC. And then even right, even added to that, we have many of our leaders who have lost children physically physically many who have lost them spiritually to the world. Now we have our own very pastor, our very own pastor who's made sacrifices, who's paid a price for what we have here this morning. pastor was willing to leave the phone company when they were going to give him a promotion, promised bonus vehicle and perks. After getting saved, he became a youth pastor there in Marion, Illinois, living in the attic of the church where revival broke out in that church. Pastor being threatened by what God was doing while Pastor Campbell was out preaching, moved his family out of the church while pastor was out of town. Pastoring in Mounds, Illinois, poorest County in Illinois, Pulaski County, promised $100 a week, he got less. All they gave him was $75 a week. Think about that. Living in the Sunday school rooms, having to swap out the bedrooms and the living spaces to get ready for church. We all have heard about the loss of his daughter, Gail, having to process that on his way back from the Philippines, as well as many years after that, having to process that. Missionary to Malaysia twice. We heard that this week. I remember the second time that Pastor Campbell went. I was uh, at the Prescott Conference. A number of us had just gotten married in 1996. And this is January 1997. And they announced our pastor is going to Malaysia. We were all excited, ready to go home. Now he wasn't given over the pastoralship this time, but he was going to be gone. He was gone for months at a time. I remember during that time. Think about his willingness to go there. I believe he would have been about 54 years old at that time. See, we see the glory, but we don't know the story. Well, look at paying a price for ministry. We live in a LeBron James generation. But I'm here to declare to you that every generation is gonna have to pay their own price for ministry. We're not going to reinvent the wheel, amen. We have a great, amen, uh, uh, pillars of truth and um, we have a great vision of evangelism, discipleship and church planting. We are blessed um, to travel the roads paid for us, um, but somewhere there will be the call to personal sacrifice, um, to surrender, um, to die to self. Um, Your time is going to be required of you. Your comfort, um, your convenience, um, Your plans, see we find that unlike some of the NBA greats, LeBron James has over and over chased the championship. He's played for three different teams, right, went to Cleveland twice. The reason why MJ, who is the GOAT, Pastor Greg said it, and his legacy is different is linked to what he said in the video. People didn't see the behind the scenes, the sacrifice, the need to dig deeper, to work harder, to stay committed to something, and making those around you better. See, LeBron chose to go somewhere where there was already two superstars. When he made the move in 2010, after seven years of no championship, he went him to the Miami Heat, they had this whole big old, you know, uh, um, you know, um, ceremony of the Three Kings him, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. He went chasing. He went after, right? Um, this team that was pretty much a ready-made team that was no doubt going to win a championship. I want to ask you, when things get tough in ministry or the landscape becomes spiritually dry, what's your response? When you're not seeing all that you want to see, what's your next move? Do you bail? Do you switch teams? Do you quit? Do you shut down? That's what the LeBron James generation does. How do you respond to this season of life and ministry? See, I feel that we're in a time where that very spirit's infiltrating the church. It's all about me. It's all about my image. It's all about my legacy. Do you know that he has tattooed on his back chosen one? That he's actually called himself the goat? Nobody in basketball history who's even in the conversation of the goats has ever called themselves the goat. I remember they were interviewing some of the NBA greats right after he made that comment. They said, You know, no one ever has to say, I'm the goat if you're really the goat. You let other people say that you're the goat. My concern is that we don't have the same work ethic. We want Christianity without a cross, and we want ministry without a price. Nothing of any great value is free. But somehow, we feel entitled in this generation. We want things to be given to us, or we want them to be made easy so that we can say, look at me. When things get hard, it's amazing how we begin to point the finger. And blame other people. Or we blame the city, we blame the church folks, we blame headship, we blame God. Another quote that says, What comes easy won't last, what lasts won't come easy. There are times even I myself have to do a self assessment and ask myself, Am I doing my part to advance the kingdom of God? Listen, I was given the stewardship of pastoring the Colleen Church. That's a blessing in itself. A church that was already established, a church that had men on the field, a church that had disciples. At the same token, I said, you know, I'm able to take that and run with it, but what am I willing to pay to be able to get it to the next level? am I still willing to pay a price for what God has and still has yet to attain for us? See, we have no excuses because we are very, very blessed. I really want to talk to this generation. Are you willing to rise up early and stay late? I don't understand how we're still discussing morning prayer with some pastors. I don't understand that. Like, how is it even a debate? Why do we even have to check on you if you go to morning prayer? I know some pastors, they don't open up their church for months when they get to a city. I'm thinking, what are you there to do? And since when do we buy a home when we first get to a place to pioneer? What if you have to move? I'm not saying it's evil, but I'm just, I mean, build something first. Figure out that this is where God wants you and this is where God's going to build a church. That way you don't live halfway across the city. Anyways, I didn't think that was going to go very well. Listen, I see some men who feel revival comes from a building. Whatever happened to starting in your house? Well, I don't know. Do something. You've been there how long and you haven't handed out one flyer? Well, I don't have a building or, you know, I haven't got this yet. And I remember just taking some chick chick tracks, went down to Office Max, put the name of my church, put a phone number on there, stamped every chick chick track started going around hey um, you know my wife's still unpacking uh, uh, unpacking the boxes I probably should have been helping her but you know right immediately hitting the ground listen the best advice I could ever hit the ground running give yourself to it We got pastors whose calendars are squeaky clean There's a fear to fail so that, so so rather than fail, they'd just rather not try. Listen, we don't want flash, we want fire. Maybe failure will give you some strength, like Jordan said, and maybe some pain will be a good motivator. Interesting as we hear Pastor Williams on Monday night speaking about comfort. You know, I had this in my message and I said, you know, this is, Uh, uh, this must be God. But here is Lot. When he's going to choose a city to go to, he went to where the well-watered plains of the Jordan. With his carnal eyes, he looked, where can it be good for me? He should have really deferred to Abraham. Or at least pray, bro. (laughs) Don't choose it based upon, right? Where you got a job, you know, necessarily, or where, you know, revivals happening. You hear all these reports. Uh, maybe God wants you to go somewhere where Jesus hasn't yet been preached. But paying the price may put your dreams on hold. It may put a damper on your fairy tale future. Are you called or not? Real ministry is going to cost you your life. Last year I spoke about full-time ministry. Your job is a means to an end. Your prayer time must rise above a ritual and a tradition that God can move upon you day, noon, or night. The time you spend in the Word of God is critical. I encourage them some type of reading plan if you don't have it already. That'll keep you locked in. A daily devotion to the word of God that you can keep the well filled at all times with water. Studying and reading. Walk in dominion. You've been given godly authority. Take dominion over the demonic that has put its hands on your city, on your church, and on your family. Exercise that authority. That's what we need more of. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost gives us power. And I tell you, you cannot give what you don't have. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I give to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, because why? I've got it inside of me. Hallelujah. Pastor Olson He gave a quote, and I'm just paraphrasing. And he's speaking in light of the Saturday morning outreach that he had began in Prescott. He's, you know, in his quote, he said, he's not sure if starting a Saturday morning outreach was the wisest choice because now it's turned into a once a week event rather than a lifestyle, which was intended and supposed to be. You've got pioneer pastors outreaching only on Saturday morning. And you're wondering why the church is not growing. Listen, when the mother church goes out 50, 60 deep, they're covering lots of apartment complexes, lots of blocks on the street. When it's you and your wife and the kids, you have to multiply your efforts. Listen, and I'm not professing that I have made any sacrifice compared to the men that have gone before us. Because I'm still aiming and meant to give myself whatever God wants. But when I went to Pioneer, you can ask my wife, she don't lie. For the first four months, maybe even five, every day I was on the streets. Every day. I would come home from the post office. I would change my clothes. She'd have food there for me. I'd take a shower and I'd go onto the streets at least for an hour. I wanted to see God do something. Listen, what we do works. The blueprint has been given. Are we able to achieve what we have seen in the mother church? Are we able to duplicate that? That's what I want to be. I want to see, man, a Colleen have the same impact and influence that Chandler is making in the world. Have we asked ourselves why we're not growing? And are we willing to do whatever it takes? The LeBron James generation has a lot of excuses. But listen, if we do our part, the Lord will do his. I want to close with radical Christianity. I'm fully aware this morning that we're not speaking about basketball. No one may ever attain the basketball legacy that Jordan made, not even Kobe. The great thing is that we don't have to. We've been given a privilege and an opportunity to impact the world for souls. God will help you and I this morning. In our text, it's clear that everything that Paul went through, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked. It would have not been possible without Jehovah Ezer, the God who helps we don't have to function on our own. Neither do we have to simply rely upon our own talent, our own gifting. We have to remain focused and must be willing to pay whatever the cost to fulfill his will because he is a God who equips whom he calls and he will never leave us nor forsake us. I realize that we're, what we're asking when we're asking for ministry about paying a price. is very costly. But this is what radical is all about. Jesus said to James and John and their mother, Matthew 20, 22, right? You know the story. They asked, she asked if one of them could be on, her, on his right side, the other on his left. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Can I tell you, when you Say you want to be a pastor or a or missionary, you don't know what you ask sometimes. Because it's been so good to you to see all the things that have already been done and prepared. Oh, this is easy. Walk in the park. I'm going to walk into the city, man. Demons are going to flee. <laughs> Hand out a few flyers. Everybody who says they're going to come is going to come. And I pray that they do. Jesus said, are you willing to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Listen, this is deep. And be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Now, you gotta give them credit. They said, we are able. And Jesus said, you will indeed. Drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. This morning, we're not of those who draw back. We're, we're not of those who step down. We step up. The rich young ruler walked away sorrowful because he was unwilling to let certain things go. Others made excuses why they weren't going to follow Jesus. They were excited. Luke nine fifty seven. maybe they just got out of Bible conference. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road Someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. He said, no, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Another man said the same thing. Lord, I want to follow you. But in verse 61, he said, but let me go first, bid them farewell who are at my house. One excuse after another, after another. And Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We have nothing to lose, but yet everything to gain. When we are willing to step out in faith, you can do greater than you can imagine with God. What God, has, you know, it's interesting to me. The mystery of the seed You never know that seed's potential until it dies. It's hidden, it's trapped. But if it were to die, it brings forth much fruit. Right, in that seed is life. In that seed are more, right, vegetation and trees and seeds and different things that are going to come out of that. Once it dies, then you see its great potential. I believe we have to position ourselves getting close to God, staying in that intimate relationship with God. But I also believe God's going to position you that despite all the blessings that we have somewhere, you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to pay a price for your own ministry somehow, some way. You're going to have to be willing to take this message and say, you know what, I'm willing. God, I'll walk down any road at any cost. A big pill to swallow. I want to tell you it's worth it. This is the best, uh, uh, this is the best life I could have ever chosen for my family and I. Wayne Gretzky, he's quoted as saying, you miss a, 100% of the shots you don't take. Paul built upon the foundation that Jesus laid. We build upon the foundation that they both, have already set, as well as our fellowship leaders. Well, we seize the moment. Now is the time. Now is our time. It's time to rise up. Yeah. See the church in Corinth. They looked at Paul. And said, oh man, Paul, you. Yeah, we. Because he was humble. But look at the ministry, the powerful ministry he had. We could take those things for granted. But let's not. Whatever God has. Very quickly, I want to pray over a spirit of fear. There's many, listen, can I say paying a price is not punishment? It's not like God's, okay, if you want to be, if you want to be used by me, you're going to pay the price. I mean, you know, God's punishing. Oh, okay, all right. But God, give me a revival. That's not, it's just going to come in the flow. You don't have to look for it. <laughs> just have to position yourself. Stay close to God. That's how Paul did. But I believe there's a lot of people, their fear, that's their fear, that they're actually going to have to pay a price. A lot of the price has been paid. Somewhere we will pay a price, somehow, someway. But if we could just bow our heads for a quick minute. I want us to just say, Lord Jesus, I take dominion over the spirit of fear. Lord, I believe that you are Emmanuel, the God that is with us, that will never leave us nor forsake us, that no matter the road, no matter the cost, you will be with us. I take dominion over the spirit of fear. I believe and have faith. Do as you will in my life. From this day forward, forward. in Jesus' name, God bless you.